What's up, guys? I'm Blake Barbera, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. Guys, today we're going to begin our recap of Revelation chapter 2. We've covered a lot of ground so far in our study of the book of Revelation. Specifically, we've covered two chapters, and we spent the last almost two months in chapter 2. Jesus has a lot to say to the local churches that he's writing to in this book. And subsequently, he has a lot to say to you and I. Revelation chapter 2, the recap, begins right now. So let the adventure begin. What's up, guys? Once again, I am your host, Blake Barbera, and welcome back to the That You May Know Him podcast, and particularly to our study on the book of Revelation. Guys, episodes of 2 for 10 usually air twice per week. In these episodes, in this series, we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. We usually cover about two verses per episode, and we try to keep them about 10 minutes-ish long. Sometimes I go a little beyond that, but you're full of grace, and I know that. Guys, these are meant to be quick hits, something you can grab on your way to work, something you can listen to while you're brushing your teeth at night. But I just want you to know, this week will be our last episodes of 2 for 10 for this year. We're going to take the rest of the year and focus more acutely on some of the other series that we have going on here on the That You May Know Him podcast. We're also going to be getting ready to resume our study of the book of Revelation after the new year where we'll pick up in Revelation chapter 3. Guys, if you're watching us on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe by clicking on the bell to the bottom right of this screen. And also don't forget that we are also a podcast, not just a YouTube channel, the That You May Know Him podcast. A lot of our content is not yet on YouTube. It's only on the pod. So please do check us out. Go to our website, thatyoumayknowhim.com. Click on the Listen tab at the top of the page. You'll find links to our podcast in every major podcasting app. Subscribe, guys. What are you waiting for? Follow the That You May Know Him podcast and get great, biblically-based, Christ-exalting Christian content every single week. A lot of times, three, four, five days a week, all right? Don't wait. Don't wait another second. Go and subscribe to our podcast. All right, now let's talk about the book of Revelation, chapter 2. We're going to spend this week, this episode, and one more recapping Revelation chapter 2. We've been in this chapter for something like six weeks already, almost two months. Jesus has a lot to say to the four churches that he writes to in this chapter. He writes to the church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, the church at Pergamum, and the church at Thyatira. Four churches that existed in the Roman province of Asia in the first century. Could you imagine being a member of one of these churches? You're thinking to yourself, huh, are there any disciples of Jesus that are still alive? Like any of the original 12? Oh yeah, there's one. He's really old. His name's John. And he's in prison on an island called Patmos because of his faith in Jesus. Huh, that's a bummer. Then like, you know, a few days later after you're thinking about John, maybe praying for him. Hey guys, we got a letter from John. You open the letter. He's writing from prison and he says, hey guys, the risen Christ who I followed for three years, who I lived with and hung out with every day, yeah, he actually appeared to me. And he actually mentioned that he has 
some words that he wants to say directly to you, like to your church. So he wrote this letter to you. Here it is. Can you imagine what that would be like? Imagine your ears would probably perk up, right? I know I I hope mine sure would. But then again, my ears perk up every time I open this book. And I, I think yours do too. Guys, there's four things that I think we can take away from our study of Revelation chapter two. Four things that I think are sort of like pillars that we pick up on through Jesus's addresses to these four churches. Two of them I'm gonna talk about today. The first one is discernment. Discernment. Jesus loves a discerning church. And this is something that Christianity, the church in the West, particularly the evangelical Christian church in the West needs to pay attention to. Guys, we need to recapture, recapture the gift, the art of discernment. It's something that is done always as a community, but it starts with Christians learning what it is to be discerning on their own, learning what it is to be a discerning follower of Jesus. Look, let me remind you what Jesus says to the church at Ephesus. He says in verse six of chapter two, yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. In other words, this church was discerning. They were able to discern truth from error, right from wrong. That's important because there's another church in this chapter that Jesus says, yo, you have people there that hold to the works of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Have you ever asked yourself the question, are there any beliefs that I'm currently ascribing to? Are there any ways that I'm living my life that Jesus hates? That's a pretty intense question, isn't it? It is, but it's one you should probably ask yourself. It's one I ask myself on a regular basis. This is what it means to be discerning, to ask yourself, geez, what in my life does Jesus not like? And why am I still doing it or holding on to it? Guys, you know how you learn to be a discerning Christian? There's two ways, really. The first one, actually, you can't really separate the two. They go together, and and you can't rank them either. They're equal. The first one is you read this book. You read this book. Not certain parts of it, not the parts that you like or you're familiar with or you're comfortable with, the parts that make you feel good. No, you read all of it. And when you're done reading it, you read it again, and you read it again, and you read it some more, and you let not just the really awesome passages that you memorize and the promises that you stand on. No, all those are important, but you actually begin to let the story of scripture get into your heart and mind and reshape the way you think. And when you start to read this book, not certain parts, but all of it, and you start to make this a habit, the story of scripture begins to transform the way you see the world and the way you see life. And it begins to make you a discerning Christian. Every once in a while, you go to a church and you see some older couple, you know, some couple that's been going to church their whole life, but not just going to church, like following Jesus. These older folks that have been reading the Bible their whole lives. You know, what's really interesting about people like that. They're usually very, very hard to trick and they usually pick up on things quickly, right? They pick up on things that other people don't pick up on. 
because they've been letting the story of Scripture reshape the way they think by reading this book. The other way we learn to become discerning Christians is by spending time with the Lord, by making time every day to seek Him. One of the greatest gifts we have is access. We, you and I, have. if you are a follower of Jesus, by grace, you have access to the throne room. You have access to a place where only one person could go once a year. And if anybody else went in there, they usually dropped dead. You have access to the presence of God, to the presence of a holy God through faith and by grace. Are you taking advantage of it? Are you spending time communing with the God who bought you? There's a a wonderful missionary named Brother Andrew. He used to say something like this. The reason I seek the Lord first thing in the morning is because when I do, I realize I'm much more likely to bump into him again during the day. That's a nifty little ditty by Brother Andrew, isn't it? When you seek him first, you're much more likely to bump into him again during the day. Guys, the second thing that Jesus teaches us in Revelation chapter 2, the second thing we can glean from what he says to all four of these churches is that Jesus wants his churches to suffer well. To suffer well. What does it mean that Jesus wants us to suffer well. Some of you are like, yo, suffer? What, are, what, what is suffering? What do I have to do with suffering? Didn't Jesus suffer so that I don't have to? Sadly, many Christians, sometimes undiscerning Christians, have bought into that mindset. They've been told that being a Christian means you're guaranteed to never undergo hardship. And if you do, well, it's not God's will. It's because the devil is getting his best out of you, right? He's winning. And if you just believe more or if you just, you know, sort of get things in order, that'll all be over because it's never, ever, ever God's will for you to suffer. The problem with that is it's just not biblical. And we see Jesus rebuff this argument over and over and over again in this very chapter. There's churches in Revelation chapter two who Jesus says, hey, Satan's about to test you. He's about to throw some of you into prison. Some of you are about to be tested and suffer directly at the hands of Satan. There's other churches who Jesus writes to and says, hey, I'm the one who's about to test you. I'm the one who's about to do some things in and around your life because I'm the one who searches mind and heart. Some of you are like, I've never heard this before, but my friends, it's all through the Bible. Go back to Genesis. Go all the way through the Old Testament. You see this over and over and over again. You remember what God said to the father of all those who believe, Abraham? Remember what God did to the, to the one who we look to as a model of faith and faithfulness? Well, of course, outside of the righteous one, Jesus. Abraham, God said, it's Genesis 22, it says God tested Abraham. God wanted to test Abraham. Do you know why God tested Abraham? Well, the answer comes in reading the story. But I'll just give you a little quick recap. I think it's Genesis 22, 17, somewhere in there, 12 to 17, somewhere in there. Abraham takes his son. He obeys God. He takes him up. He builds an altar on the mountain. He's about to sacrifice him, and the Lord stops him. He says, Abraham, no. 
I will provide the sacrifice. Don't sacrifice your son. And then you remember what God said to Abraham? He said, now I know that you fear the Lord. The reason that God allows us and even causes us to go through trials sometimes is because he wants to remake us and he wants to help prove us. God wants one day for you to be fit as a fiddle to enter into a kingdom where righteousness reigns, where there is no sin and no chance that the perfection of that kingdom will ever be tarnished. He does that through refining you and I, through testing. And one day he'll be able to say, now I know, now I know that you fear me, that you love me, that you'll obey me no matter what. This is the picture that we see all through scripture. And we're told in other parts of the New Testament, make sure, I'm thinking of 1 Peter, right? Make sure that when you suffer in this life, because you will, you suffer for doing good. You suffer for doing righteousness. He goes on to say, Jesus suffered in the flesh in order to leave us an example that we should follow. This is 1 Peter chapter 4. In order to leave us an example that we should follow, right? And he goes on to say, because those who have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. There it is right there. God uses suffering to refine his people. And when you have the right perspective on that, when you obey Jesus and prepare yourself and are not surprised when a fiery trial comes upon you, you respond the right way and God's work in you becomes effectual. His refining fire becomes more and more and more effective. And that's it. Remember this. When a moment comes in your life when you're going through hardship, don't jump ship. Don't abandon God. Don't say, but I thought you loved me. Don't ever let God's love for you be conditioned on your circumstances. I'm talking about in your mind, in your and my hearts and minds. God's love is settled. It's based on the cross. We know he loves us because of what he did for us. Now, when it comes to being made right and working out our salvation with fear and trembling and being sanctified so that we can enter his perfect kingdom one day, guys, that's just the refining fire of this life. And God will use it for our good, but we need to be ready and be prepared. And Jesus says to all four of these churches, conquer, 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 overcome, overcome what you're going through and I will give you the crown of life. Or he says, I'll give you a white stone with a new name on it. I'll give you an admission ticket to heaven. He says all sorts of things, but the the point is the same. Jesus loves when his people learn how to suffer well. This is not what is preached in popular mainstream Christianity today, but my friends, it is biblical. So let's start wrapping our minds around it. That is all the time we have for today. This has been part one of our Revelation chapter two recap. Guys, Jesus loves discerning churches and he loves churches that know how to suffer well. I'll be back later this week to finish up our recap of Revelation chapter two. But until then, I'm Blake Barbera signing off. Stay blessed, live loved, and thank you so much for watching and listening to That You May Know Him.